Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. Well, hello and happy Black Friday slash Cyber Monday week if you are listening live to this podcast episode. I wanted to give you guys a heads up on what's going on in my business and what offers I have available for my three online courses. So as you may or may not know, I have three courses that teach dietitians and other wellness professionals uh, how to get found online. So I teach something called search engine optimization, which is how to create content that actually gets found online on the internet when people do Google searches. So I have a whole course on that, which is basically like the foundation, in my opinion, of online business. So that's far and away my most popular course. So I just want to start with that one. But that one is available for, for enrollment during Black Friday. I also have a course called Make Money Blogging that teaches you six ways to actually monetize your website once you have an audience and you have that traffic. And then I also have a course on email marketing to help you learn how to build your audience on an email marketing platform, keep in touch with them, keep them engaged, and then automate some of your sales processes so you're not constantly like live selling everything at all times. So those are my three courses that I've got going on. Um, as of right now, and and as it has been in the past, those courses have just kind of been open for enrollment at any time. But that is all changing in 2021. I'm going to be taking all of the sales pages off my website after Cyber Monday. So the last day to enroll in any of my three courses at the current pricing is going to be the last day of November. So November 30th, that will be the last day. Cyber Monday, the last call, you can join now. Uh, Once you're in my courses, you get lifetime access to the current versions and any future updates and upgrades that I make to the content in the coming years. So basically what's happening is I am no longer just gonna have the courses up and available to enroll willy-nilly. I'm actually going to be creating some evergreen webinar marketing funnels that will be in place throughout my business. Um, And there will not be just a, you know, freely available enrollment page for you guys at any time. So that's changing for 2021. And as a part of that as well, the prices for my courses are going up significantly. So uh, the SEO course is gonna be the first one to kind of go through this revamp and will hopefully be relaunching in January, 2021 with a bunch of new updates, upgrades. Uh, It's gonna be amazing. It's already amazing, but it's gonna be even better as this this will be like the third iteration um, of this course basically. So um, yeah, the course is going to almost double in price from what it is right now in January when it relaunches. So if you have been possibly on the fence about joining any of my courses, now is a great time to get in. Just a reminder as well, each course has like 20 something CEUs attached to them as well. So it's a great opportunity to fill up your continuing education bank (laughs) for the next round of your, you know, certification cycle. And yeah, that's basically what I'm doing, a Black Friday slash Cyber Monday, quote unquote, last chance sale. So just head to my website, theunconventionalrd.com, and click on the courses tab if you're interested. And I do also have a bundle offer. So if you purchase all three of the courses, you save an additional 15% off the current already low prices. So a lot of people take me up on that. So again, if you buy now, you're in forever, you're good to go, you lock in the lowest price before they basically like double in 2021. Um, So yeah, that's what I'm doing for Black Friday. Hope to see you inside my courses and inside my private students only Facebook group. That's where I interact with people the most and give a lot of like really detailed help and guidance. So I'm excited about that. Uh, But other than that, I, I would love to dive right into today's episode. This is my first ever interview with two people at the same time. So there's three of us here today. I'm speaking with Jasmine. Westbrooks and Ashley Carter, and they are both registered dietitians who founded a nonprofit called Eat Well Exchange. And I have seen questions about starting nonprofits or getting into the nonprofit world in the Unconventional RD community on Facebook. And for those of you who are new to this podcast, the Unconventional RD community on Facebook is my free Facebook group for anyone to join and talk about unconventional revenue streams 
that we can create as dietitians. So Ashley and Jasmine are in that group and I invited them to come on the podcast today to talk about their experiences starting a, a nonprofit so that you guys can see kind of behind the scenes what goes into it, uh, all the different hurdles you might run up against. And I asked Ashley and Jasmine about, you know, some of the biggest lessons that they've learned and their best advice for anyone looking to start a nonprofit today. So we're chatting about specifically their experience with their nonprofit Eat Well Exchange, and they've taught over 4,000 people and fed over 2,000 people over the last three years since starting this nonprofit. So they're great people to learn from. Definitely give them a follow and check them out on social media after this episode. But let's dive right into the conversation. Hi, Ashley and Jasmine. Thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. You guys are both the founders of a nonprofit organization called Eat Well Exchange. And can you start by telling us a little bit more about your nonprofit and what you guys do? Yeah, so this is Jasmine, y'all. We have Eat Well Exchange, um, and we are a 501c3 nonprofit uh, organization. Uh, that provides nutrition education and accessibility to uh, healthy foods to both social social economic communities um, with a focus on culture. So we have uh, amazing programs that we serve um, to the communities that need it the most, communities that may not have access or um, the best, I guess, like nutrition uh, education quality to know what type of foods to eat, but also not really having accessibility to that food. Um, so we've been able to have community gardens um, in Haiti and uh, in Sebring, Florida, and a culinary program where we're working with kids, working with kids from age five to 17. We've been able to speak at different community churches and other great organizations that really want to learn about uh, nutrition, but we can't forget that focus on culture because we want people to eat the foods that they love, that's their preference, that has some kind of cultural relevance. Um, but putting a little spin on it if it's not as healthy, but you'll be surprised there are a lot of foods that are from different cultures that are extremely healthy. So that's something that we have the joy to do. That's awesome. That's so inspirational. I think a lot of people listening are going to be like, what? you guys built that? Like, I want to build something like that. (laughs) So that's what I'd love to get into today is like learning more about how the heck you even came up with this idea and how you started it and that whole process. But I guess before I go into those questions, could you guys each individually also just kind of give us a back, like an introduction to yourself, like maybe how long you've been a dietitian, how you got into it, that type of thing? So my name is Ashley Carter. I have not been a registered dietitian yet for a complete year. September will make a year. So I'm, I did things in a little reverse order, honestly. We did not, we're going to tell you the story of how we found it, Eat Well Exchange, but it was not planned. <laughs> um, we actually started having events before we had a name for our nonprofit. So things did not go as planned. And one of the plans was for both of us to be dietitians before actually launching Eat Well Exchange but there was a need, so we just went with it. So I'm from Miami, Florida. I gained an interest in nutrition when I went off to college. I was an exercise science major, but then I took one nutrition class, science of nutrition. I fell in love. I was like, okay, this isn't easy, but I enjoy it. So it made you know all of my courses a little bit better. And I decided to switch over to the dietetics field after taking that class. So I've been working in the nutrition field for about eight years now. And even though I'm just becoming a dietitian, I still have a lot of years of experience, a lot of years of counseling, especially with lower socioeconomic populations. And when I was in college at Florida State, I did, I was a pure health educator there. So I did counseling for different students that had, you know, not eating disorders, but they had a lot of questions when it comes to disordered eating. So I have a lot of experience when it comes to counseling in different demographics. Ashley's amazing, as you can hear. (laughs) Thanks, Jazz. I'm Jasmine, a.k.a. Jazz. (laughs) Um, So I've been a dietitian for about four years, uh, and I currently work at a diabetes facility full-time, which we'll get into um, some other things that we do. But 
Um, I have the nonprofit Ewell Exchange, um, and I got into nutrition in in school um, because of family history and some family uh, medical conditions that really hit my family at one time. Um, and I'm like, okay, medication is just not it. You know, there has to be preventative ways um, and other treatments that can help my family. And that uh, made me discover that dietitians do exist. So I changed my major from pre-veterinarian medicine to, um, to nutrition and dietetics. And ever since then, it's been a fun roller coaster to be on. Well, then... Based on those backgrounds, how did you guys come together and come up with the idea to launch a nonprofit? Okay, so this is the funny story. <laughs> like I said, it was not planned at all. Jasmine and I, along with our other founder, Deidre, we all worked together um, as nutrition educators. So we all loved our job. We all like to talk about nutrition. I met Jasmine actually working for that job. So that's how we got, you know, like our work relationship where we would go out to lunch together and things like that. So then we started to develop more of a friendship and we all just started to talk about our dreams and goals because at this time, all three of us were, you know, nutrition educators. We were not dietitians yet. We were all struggling to get into the internship. So we really bonded over that experience of writing personal statements and reading each other's resumes and everything like that. So we talked about our goals. And one thing that all three of us had aligned with is we all wanted to make an impact to our communities. We all had family members that were suffering from diabetes, from cardiovascular disease. For myself personally, actually both of my parents are deceased from health conditions that could have been prevented. So we all had like a big, um, we all just had like a, a, um, a desire to make a difference. So we talked about that desire and we all said, like I remember telling Jasmine one day we were at brunch and I was like, after we're all RDs, we should travel the world together eat food from different cultures, learn about their cultures, and find out what they're doing better than we're doing here in America, and just kind of start like adapting some of the recipes and also taking our foods that are working well for us and our cooking methods and spread those across the globe. So we want to do like a global exchange of food. So Jasmine is like, oh my goodness, I'm so excited. When we're all registered dietitians, we'll do this together. Um, this brunch happened in December, January, Jasmine calls me and she's like, oh my God, somebody wants our nonprofit to go to Montego Bay to do a nutrition program. And she's so excited. So Jasmine's like, Ashley, I cannot believe this. We got invited somewhere. And I was like, Jasmine, I'm so excited too, but there's only one problem. We don't have a nonprofit. <laughs> I was like, we don't have a name. We don't have anything. We don't even know what to do. But we had, a, um, we had a, a program already booked. So this was in January. And we incorporated Equal Exchange in February. So we had to find a name. <laughs> so we all just were just looking and bouncing ideas. So we found a name. We got ourselves incorporated. We learned more. We talked to our friend who's a lawyer. And she kind of helped us make sure that we're not doing anything that's illegal. <laughs> and... And we just worked with like a financial advisor. We just called all the friends that we had and just picked their brains and just kept asking them questions. And we found it Eat Well Exchange. <laughs> Isn't that the best though? It's, it's almost like when something external happens that just kind of pushes you to do it. <laughs> it's like, you probably needed that. Yes. It makes it sound almost less intimidating than I had it in my head. <laughs> I mean, I hear the word nonprofit and I'm like, oh, that, that must be like super, I don't know, like it must require a lot of paperwork and it sounds intimidating to me. <laughs> right. Maybe we can talk about that next. So like what is a nonprofit and how is that different than just a regular like for-profit business? Okay. So when it comes to a nonprofit, the main difference is your goal is to cause an impact. Your goal is to create a change. So there are for-profits that create a change as well, but usually their goal is to generate revenue. So for ours, our goal is solely to make an impact into the community. But of course, as we know, with any nonprofit, whether it's, um, you know, for, for like the night like childhood cancer, whether it's for, you know, the Humane Society, no matter what the purpose of your nonprofit is, you need money, you need funds to create change. So no, even whether you're a nonprofit or a for-profit, you always have to generate revenue. A lot of people think that because you're a nonprofit that you're not supposed to have money, but that's not the case. Actually, the more money you have, the better, because that's how we're able to have a culinary academy. 
And that's how we're able to have a garden locally and in Haiti because we have funds. So um, the main difference is that your goal is to cause an impact and also having a nonprofit separates what you're doing. It separates your business from yourself, which is important because, you know, I can decide or Jasmine can decide that she wants to go out and feed a hundred families. But if there's any liability, if anything happens, then Jasmine or Ashley will get sued. <laughs> but when you have a nonprofit, it separates yourself from the business, which is important because even when you're doing good deeds, there's always a chance that there can, you know, that things can go wrong. So you always want to make sure that you're covered and you're protected so that you don't lose your personal, you know, assets because of your business. And that's for a nonprofit or for profit. You should always have an LLC or separate business to separate the funds. And also it allows you to track your expenses better too when you have a separate entity that is your nonprofit. And is it kind of the same format as setting up, say, an LLC or a corporation or something? You, it's just like a different piece of paper you fill out or is it more involved? It starts off the same. In Florida, we have to go to SunBiz to create your organization. And you'll do that for an LLC or for a nonprofit or S Corp, any type of business that you're running. But for nonprofits, you also have to get tax exemptions. Um, you have to get your state tax exemption, your federal tax exemption. You also have to fill out paperwork with the USDA every year, your solicitation agreement, um, which pretty much states that it shows how much money you plan on generating from funds and from donations and that you're going to use that money for the purpose that you're stating. So it's saying that while you're collecting money, well, actually, in order to collect the money, you need that USDA solicitation agreement first. And how long does that whole process take? It doesn't take too long. Jasmine and I, we do it together. We rotate all of the paperwork so that way both of us know how to do everything because, you know, it's, it's great to know. Um, and it doesn't take a lot, but the hardest part that I can tell you is that you don't know what to do. <laughs> So what I mean by that is when you start a nonprofit, first you do your sun biz and you're like, okay, great. We have a name. We're incorporated. We're done. And then you're like, oh no, I need a tax ID number. And then you're like, oh wait, but I need this. And then you'll apply for a grant and they'll say in order to get a grant, you need to have this. So there's always like this big web of things that you didn't know even existed that you always have to have. And it's important because with the nonprofit, you know, you're getting the federal exemption, the state exemption. So you want to make sure that everything lines up. You want to make sure you're doing everything by the books. And that's why we do have a lawyer, a part of our board of directors, because with a nonprofit, there's so many rules. So you never want to get in trouble from not knowing because that's not an excuse. You know, you have to do your research. You have to be knowledgeable. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit too of like, you know, when we all first passed our exam, right. And we had to have all these different type of, oh, you need this you know, if, if you're in a state where you have to have that, was it the LD type licensure, you have to fill out the paperwork for that. And then you have to do the paperwork for the national registration number. And then you have to create your pathway of what you think you're going to do with the, you know, CDR. So it's kind of like that. They all kind of fit in together. And like Ashley said, it can be a little intimidating at first, but um, what I found is that when you do get those things, when you have those numbers that you know you need, like your tax ID, it gets easier when it's like, oh, I need my tax ID, got it. Or, oh, I need my state exempt, got it, you know. So it, the first time it's just like, what is this and why do I need it? But you do need it. You do. And it's funny because Ashley always says this too, like that 501c3 puts some respect okay, on your um, nonprofit. It really does. Like, you know, people always say, oh, I have a nonprofit, but that 501c3, like, really makes you um, official in the sense of when you're applying for grants and when you're applying for bigger things instead of just not have a nonprofit, but I don't have that paperwork to back me up. That's so insightful. I feel like this is a whole new world. So when you have a nonprofit, basically any money that you generate goes back into the nonprofit in some way, like there's no quote unquote profit left over. So, and then is none of the money that you generate taxable? Like, is it tax free because it's a nonprofit? Right. Because it's a nonprofit, it is tax free and your money should balance out at the end of the year. So if we have a fundraiser, as an example, and we earn 
you know, $20,000 from that fundraiser, from our fundraisers throughout the year, by the end of the year, we should close out at zero. We actually file our taxes every year, just like any other business does. In a part of the tax form, you have to show that whatever you brought in, whatever donations you got, your sales, everything you do throughout the year, it has to balance out with the programs that you're doing in the community. And our tax form is pretty detailed. We actually have to list all of the programs that we're doing. We have to put, well, we put numbers and demographics because everything that you fill out in your tax form is public knowledge. So right now you can look at Eat Well Exchange's tax form from last year and you can see how our money was divided. And that's another thing a lot of nonprofits have to remember that this is public record. So you wanna make sure that if you're generating funds and people are donating to you, that you're using that money the way you told people that you're going to use that money because they can see. Another thing I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that we're, we've been kind of good at too, because, you know, that's how people, that's how we get more donations when people see, oh, wow, we, you traveled this many miles to do this, or wow, you serve this many people. And the money that's not in your account, just sitting there is the proof that you've done that. So you do, you know, you don't want the money. Somebody once told us like, you don't want the money just sitting there and to be like, you know, oh, I have this many thousands but how is it going back into the community in order to make the difference, to, to make the impact and serve? It's almost like I used to work in research and when you're doing research and you're trying to get a grant or something, it's similar where they're like, okay, you better spend this. Like, like it's like a penalty if you don't spend it. <laughs> exactly. Because that's what the money's for. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Do you kind of forecast what you're um, projected to bring in so that you know how much you can do for, throughout the year? Or is it, is it like you get the money and then you decide what to do? Because I know with, I'm just thinking of the grant example, you had to come up with like a super detailed, like this is where this money's going. This is why I need this much. But I guess in a nonprofit scenario, it's not like you're necessarily asking for a grant from like the government or something you're getting, or I'm not even really sure. Are you getting donations or how do you get most of your money? With most of our money comes from donations or fundraisers that we have. So for example, and I'm sure we'll get to this regarding COVID. One of the things that we did was um, if you want to donate, if you click on our website or our Instagram, you can see where you want your money to go. So you may want to, you know, contribute $10 to the local community garden that we're working with or contribute you know, $10 to feed a child that's um, in our culinary program. So it does help to kind of categorize, categorize it in that way um, so that they'll know what the money is going to, um, but you'll also know too. Um, so that, that, that is something that you do have to keep up with. And regarding fundraisers, it's pretty much the same because our fundraisers, like our uh, cultural chef cook-off, that's always been like our fun fundraiser that we try to do each year. And with that, we're able to, you know, host all these courses or classes um, in local areas of where uh, the chef cook-off was held so that people can see, oh, I went to that chef cook-off. Now they're making a difference two or three weeks later at serving these kids um, on the ticket that I was able to buy uh, for the chef cook-off. So that's the kind of the way that we look at it. And do you get paid to do any of this or how does that work? Not yet. <laughs> Me, Jasmine and I both have full-time jobs at this time. So we're still working full-time and that's how we are living our lives. <laughs> you know, that's how we're able to survive from our full-time jobs. Um, eventually one day we hope to get to the point where Eat Well Exchange is our full-time job. And we're making enough impact and we're bringing in enough funds so that me and Jasmine, Jasmine and I can do equal exchange full time because there's a lot of opportunities that we have to turn down because of our jobs. We're both, you know, higher up in our jobs, our nine to five. So when it comes to equal exchange, we have to make that decision sometimes. And a lot of times we have to choose, you know, our, our, our employment. So it's, it's difficult for now, but we hope that as we continue to grow, we'll be able to do equal exchange full time and receive, you know, our payments from equal exchange. Right. And even one of our mentors, um, shout out to Ebony Nutrition Consultants. They're amazing. They, they kind of do the same work that we do, uh, pretty much do the same work that we do in Orlando, Florida. 
Um, and I remember us talking to them and, you know, for them, it took them about seven to 10 years of working their, you know, full-time job uh, and then doing all these classes and things for free until they were able and had the capacity to really apply for grants. And then, you know, with grants, they want to know exactly where your money's going. And that's often consisting of hiring people to help you get that impact thing or that, that, um, that perks going. So it takes a minute. It really does. Unless you're starting off with, you know, just a ton of money, um, and you know exactly where you want it to go. But for most nonprofits, I mean, you do get money from grants and that's something that we're working on. We're trying to get into the grant process instead of just donors, um, to fund our, our, our purpose of what we're trying to do. Makes a lot of sense. And do you have, do you guys take volunteers or interns or anything, or is it just you guys? Yes, we do take volunteers. We have a sign up on our Instagram. We have a Google Doc where you can sign up to be a volunteer. So we do have a great amount of people that have signed up and we typically have volunteers participate in different activities. So some volunteers, they like to come to, you know, events and help us set up and help us run the event. Other volunteers, like we have a lot of students from FIU who are amazing. They're dietetic students there. And they volunteer to help us do things like curriculum. So they want to help us plan out the activities and they want to help us, um, you know, with newsletters and different things like that. So we are always taking volunteers because essentially it is the two of us when it comes to events. So Jasmine lives in Sebring and I live in South Florida. So we don't even live in the same city. So typically for an event, Jasmine will be by herself with 50 kids in the garden, <laughs> you know, trying to figure it out. So she'll have community volunteers and we do have community partnerships. The same for myself with the Culinary Academy. It's about 200 children that are in the kitchen. <laughs> so yes, it's a lot of children. It's a lot of people that we work with. So our volunteers really make a huge impact. And how do you get connected with all these opportunities? Like who are you, who do you reach out to if you want to do like a community garden or a cooking academy or something like that? Yeah, Instagram is honestly like, you know, Ashley is amazing with Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you, Jazz. Me not so much. I always say like, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, I have this idea. And then I'm I like, what do you think of this? And she'll put it into like pictures and you know, attention grabbing things. <laughs> and very creative behind it and I'm like exactly what I wanted so um Instagram for sure social media but also just like being out there like I, you know I was on I was on another podcast talking about that too how I feel like some dietitians like sometimes we're so like just want to stay in our little group of other dietitian conferences and, and and workshops but you know it's so important to kind of go out into the other healthcare professional uh, arenas and it's okay to be the only dietitian in the room and you're actually going to make a lot of connections um you're gonna of course you're gonna have to debate on carbs like are carbs good or not from a doctor or whoever that may not believe that but there will be one person out of that group that will be like wow you know i really resonate with what you're doing you know my grandmother or my mom has this and i would like to know more about what you do so I always stress that to other dietitians, like get out there, but also in other arenas where there may not be a dietitian present um, and you're able to network and connect too. And Ashley mentioned something too, so like think of it this way as well. Like she has like, you know, a hundred kids in the kitchen, right? Um, so that <laughs> means there's a lot of parents around picking those kids up. You know, how many of those parents of a hundred parents that are picking them up may have a church that needs that nutrition counseling, nutrition class, and they, you know, you kind of make that contact based on the services that you provide. So out of the 100 kids, I'm sure there's like 10 to 15 parents that are like, oh, I want y'all to come and do this at my church. Oh, I know somebody that knows somebody else that needs this program and would love to fund you. Um, so, you know, you have to look at it from different avenues and don't be afraid to go into those different avenues and be the only dietitian because you know word on the street is it's not that many of us in the nation right <laughs> and another thing just to kind of piggyback off of jazz really quickly is jasmine is like the queen of walking in the room and what i mean by that is if she spoke like she has um done presentations in front of physicians with nurses and even if she sees a 
a presentation happening. She'll say, oh, so which dietitian is going to talk about heart disease? And they're like, huh, we don't have a dietitian. She's like, oh, okay, well, just let me know if you need a dietitian and I'll be available. So it's so important because a lot of times, and she does, we have some of them up on our Instagram page, actually, where she just did a talk about diabetes, being young with diabetes, and also a talk about heart disease. And originally, those conversations did not include dietitians. The nurse practitioner, after she already posted the event, actually came back and reached out to us and was like, hey, maybe we should have a dietitian a part of this. And we're like, yes, you should. So it's important for us really to get, I know when I was in my internship, they always said dietitians lived in the basement. So it's always important for us to get out of the basement and get into people's, like we have to get in their face and show them like, this is what a dietitian does. We don't just help you lose weight. We don't just, you know, come into your room and ask you if your food tastes good. Like we're not dietary, we're dietitians. We, we have a large scope that we learn. Our internship is brutal, <laughs> you know? Like we learn a lot. So we don't gather that information to just talk to each other and to, you know, critique each other. No, we get this information to change the world. The only way to make an impact is to be seen, to be heard, and to, you know, have a seat at the table. Yeah, I know this is not exactly the same, but that's part of my mission with teaching dietitians SEO and search engine optimization. It's like, if you have the passion to create content and, and write about nutrition or whatever, it needs to be found. <laughs> like there's a strategy behind it. And by not understanding that strategy, we're kind of letting anyone else take over <laughs> the like nutrition blogging sphere. Yeah. There's so much potential for all of us in person and online, I think. So it sounds like Jasmine's like the, the in-person go-getter and Ashley's like the Instagram champion. <laughs> so you got a good combo. Exactly. Jasmine's like the executive producer and then I'm the actor like, or vice versa sometimes actually, because we go back and forth. Like Jasmine, she'll create content sometimes. Like she'll tell me like, oh, this would be a good post. Or I saw this quote or I read this information. Like she'll send me an article and then I'll take the article and make an Instagram post with it. And then after somebody contacts us and says, hey, we love your post. Can you do an interview? Then I'll tag Jasmine back in and say, hey, do you feel like doing this podcast? And she's like, I'm warning. So we both kind of like tag back and forth with you know, who's Batman, who's Robin. So it works out. <laughs> yeah, it's a good balance. And that's important. You know, if you're going to partner with anybody with a business, you have to kind of balance it out. And not, not, I guess not necessarily know their strengths and weaknesses, but more of know your, um, your gift and your skill set, and then learn your partner's gift and skill set. And you all kind of work that out. And that's another thing when it comes to having a partner, me and Jazz, you know, we are not, I don't consider us like business. We don't have like a business background, you know? We're dietitians. We care about food. We care about helping people. So sometimes it's hard when you start a business because you don't have that knowledge. And we'll never pretend like we do. We're learning every single day. We're learning, we're reading, we're buying books and reading all types of articles. But I can be very honest with you. When we started Eat Will Exchange, I wanted all of us to be strong in every area. I felt like everything should be the same. I thought that if I was working on a presentation, Jasmine and Deidre should be working on that presentation with me. I thought if Jasmine was talking, we should all talk together. So that was my mindset coming in. And now it's completely different. We separate everything. We divide and conquer because you're not going to be good at everything. So it's important for whoever wants to start a nonprofit or a business to realize that you and your business partners shouldn't be twins. You should actually be close to opposites. That way you can complement each other and, and, you know, balance each other out when you need it the most. Exactly. Sounds like me and my husband. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back to generating revenue for the nonprofit. I know you said you have donations and people can donate on your website. Are there any other ways? I know you mentioned you were going to start getting into applying for grants. Can people just like become a sponsor almost and give, make like a recurring donation or how does that all work? Yes, we do have a donor box and the link is in our bio for our Instagram. And with donor box, you can choose to give one time. And that's what Jasmine was explaining earlier, how you can say, I would like to give $50 to the Culinary Academy. I would like to give $20 to the garden. But also with donor box, it has an option to be a reoccurring donor. And we actually have just started getting more reoccurring donors, which we love because you could give any amount. Someone gives us $5 every month and we are like jumping for joy every month that we get that email for $5 <laughs> because it makes a difference. We know 
Jasmine and I in our real lives are extremely frugal. It doesn't matter how much money we make, we're always trying to make sure that we're not like overspending in our personal lives. So that carries over to our nonprofit. You would be amazed to see how many children we can feed with a small amount of money. So any amount that we get, we're like trying to really apply that full amount to the biggest extent for our community. So any donation we get is appreciated and the reoccurring donations help us ensure that month to month to month, we'll be able to continue our programs. And we also like the fundraiser I was mentioning, like Chef Cookoff, like everybody doesn't understand sometimes like how, or I guess like resonate sometimes with your purpose of your nonprofit and that's okay. But if you give people something fun, like the Chef Cookoff event, that's something fun that people want to go to. Pretty much the Chef Cookoff is where we get like four different chefs from different um, cultures and they compete kind of like the version of um, Chopped on Food Network. Um, so giving them something fun like that to do and know that, hey, that $50 ticket is gonna be fun. I'm gonna be able to you know, have drinks, bring my friends, but also it's actually going to a good purpose. So no, you may not have the person that wants to buy the shirt or wants to contribute to the community garden, but they want to have fun. So you kind of have to look at different ways, how people can give in different ways where it's going to be beneficial and resonating to them as well. So almost putting on like an event planner hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. Ashley's in Miami and Miami is like a party city. <laughs> so they, you know, they want to have fun behind why they're, you know, contributing to a purpose. And that's something that Ashley's been really good with, you know, figuring out that audience. Like, hey, they like to party and, and you know, like to have fun and be out and be social. How can we turn this into a fundraiser? But at the same time, it's making a difference. And hey, did you know that, you know, you put this on your taxes that you gave? <laughs> so something like that, um, that really resonates with them. And just before I move on, was it the donor box thing that you talked about? Is that like a tool or a program that, that you use to collect donations? Or were you just saying like donor box, like click a button or something? Oh, it's a website. It's a website, donorbox.com, I believe, or donorbox.org. But we have the link on our bio for our Instagram. And once you go to donorbox, you can search for Eat Well Exchange if you're going directly to the website. And it will show you whatever goal that we have. So it will say right now, Eat Well Exchange is trying to raise $1,000. And then you can choose how much you would like to donate and specify which programs. And you can also choose if it's going to be a one-time donation, monthly, weekly, annually, whatever you like for your donation to be. So that's like a tool. Do they help you keep track of everything? So it's easier for reporting purposes too. <laughs> Definitely. And also for tax purposes as well, because that's one of the benefits of being a 501c3 nonprofit. Any amount that you donate to us is tax exempt. And at the end of the year, you'll receive your document showing that you gave $50 to Ewell Exchange. So now you can write off $50 from your taxes. So the same goes if you donate $1,000 to Ewell Exchange, you can write off $1,000 from your taxes. And for people that owe taxes every year, that's a great way to help. <laughs> that's a great way to help offset. Because, you know, when you show that you make a certain amount of money, but you're giving money to the community, it's a tax write-off. So I'm not saying you'll never owe again, but at least it can decrease some of the amount that you owe. And, you know, it's going to a great cause. Cool. That's really helpful. I think people, if they're thinking about starting a nonprofit, it helps to know some of the nitty gritty stuff like that. Like, oh, this is a tool I could use to collect donations or whatever. And just curious, with everything that's happening now with COVID and all this, have you had to pivot with like your events and your offerings? Like, how is that going? Yeah, we literally were planning for our chef cook-off. I think this is like, yeah, third annual chef cook-off. And then COVID happened. And it's funny because when it first happened, I remember calling Ashley and being like, I think we're supposed to cancel this <laughs> because of the social distancing and everything. But um, at first for us, like that first, I want to say maybe three to four weeks, it was kind of like, oh, we can't have any events. We, you know, we can't really go to different organizations and teach to them in person like we want to. Um, but then we found a way because then we started to see that other organizations that still needed our help were willing to do things virtually. Um, so actually able to work with some children um, and talk to them about like hydration 
connection with this teacher and all the kids were virtual because I think they were finishing up school or something at that point. Um, so she was able to do that. We were able to work with a, another nonprofit called Manhood on the Go, where they teach um, young boys ages 12 to 17 about how to be, you know, um, good men and how to how to really like shape their character. So we were able to do a virtual um, um, type of teaching to them about eating right as athletes. Um, and uh, we're able to really work on a lot of things for us behind the scenes for COVID that we needed to do. So whether it was the, the mugs that we have, the, the coffee mugs or the tea mug um, that talks about black health because that's something that we really strong, strong about um, regarding just, you know, unfortunately health disparities um, in certain minority groups. Um, we're able to kind of brainstorm on more things that we need to get done behind the scenes, like I mentioned. So it actually worked out at first. It, it seemed like it just put everything on pause, kind of like the rest of the world. Everything was just on pause for about two to three weeks. And we're like, okay, what do we do? But we had to kind of pivot and make it work for us. Well, that's inspirational. <laughs> I mean, it totally makes sense. It's not like the whole world stopped. Just everybody went online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that was another benefit because... Remember, Ashley, you know, for us, Ashley mentioned too, like Instagram is amazing for us. And from that, we were able to brainstorm, really see what people wanted to see on our Instagram page and what people really reacted to. Um, and to, it allowed us to really learn our audience was and kind of build our audience in that way. Um, so yeah, we, I don't know how many followers, we've, we've gained so many followers. I think we had a goal of 10K and we were able to work with somebody that was really good uh, with social media and were able to train us and we were able to gain our 10K followers from like, what, I think it was like 3,000, 4,000 followers in like a month, almost a month. Wow. Now you have that swipe up? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you guys see yourselves with the nonprofit long-term, like your five or 10 year goals? Oh, we have so many. We were actually just talking about this the other day. Our main thing is expansion. We want to ensure that what we're doing in Florida is going to happen other places. We have done events like Jasmine has family in Atlanta, so she does do events in Atlanta. She's from Tennessee, so we're working or doing events in Tennessee. And we're, you know, working with people throughout the U.S. and also abroad in Haiti. We have a partnership in Haiti where we, we're trying to go every year. But of course, this year, we, we will not be able to go, but we're still continuing our garden. We're still, you know, feeding people over there. Well, I'm sorry, they're feeding themselves with the garden, which is what we love. And the main thing is just expansion and also just working with more professionals. We want to work with more physicians, with more therapists, with more personal trainers, and just really integrating culture and nutrition in every field. Well, I'm excited to watch you guys grow. I know, I, can't, I mean, I can't even imagine if even just one of you guys got to do it full time, you'd probably just be like, Pew! <laughs> just like take off. Yeah, that's the goal. That's definitely the goal. Now that you've gone through all this and you've started a successful nonprofit, for anyone listening who is super inspired by your story and is like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I want to do in whatever niche they're in. What's kind of like your biggest takeaway? Like what's your best advice for somebody who's at square zero but wants to start a nonprofit? For me, my biggest advice is mentorship. You have to talk to people. You have to meet people. You have to just really learn. And for us, we've mentioned I can't even count how many people during this interview because we work with other nonprofits. We're constantly seeking people to mentor us. So even for us now, you know, someone may look at us and say, oh, you reached 10,000 followers you're doing great but no we want to work with people that have 20,000 followers so we can learn from them so just always putting yourself in positions where you can be a student so even working with other dietitians everyone is our friends we love everyone we don't see anyone as competition everyone is someone that we can learn from so i would always recommend if you plan on starting a nonprofit or a business or even starting off as a dietitian find a mentor in every area so have a dietitian that can mentor you, have a business professional that can mentor you, have a social media coach that can mentor you. So find someone in every area. And even for us, we work with chefs a lot as well. So we have chefs that mentor us because 
we know being a dietitian, we learn about food, but we really don't learn how to cook food. <laughs> we take a foods course, well, at least at Florida State, we took a foods course where we learned about like how foods compose and how, you know, things change when it's cooked, but you really don't learn cooking methods like you should in our field because people constantly want you to cook. So the main thing for me is just finding a mentor, constantly growing and just challenging yourself and networking as much as possible. Right, right. And just to kind of piggyback a little bit off of Ashley, like as you meet those people, like don't expect it to happen overnight. And it's not gonna happen overnight and there's a reason for it. And you know, just be happy that it didn't happen overnight. Because if it happened overnight, you have to kind of ask yourself, would I have been read personally and professionally to handle it? Um, because, you know, whenever you tell people you have a nonprofit, they're always going to say, oh, that's good. And that's, you know, that's fine. We know it makes a difference. Um, but don't be disappointed in yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself, I guess. And just kind of, you know, take it step by step, event by event, you know, speaking engagement by speaking engagement. Um, have everything in place, but don't feel like it has to be done, you know, by tomorrow or by next week, because that's how you learn. And like Ashley said, I would say the exact same thing. Just make connections, talk to everybody, get to know people, use, you know, what they tell us in, in our, you know, education to get in the dietitian, build rapport with people, not just with your patients, but with people that work in different fields, because, you know, we're needed. And sometimes people don't even know they need us until they look deeper into, wow, I do need you. So yeah, make the connection, but take your time and know why you're doing it because that's what's going to be the driving force when it gets hard. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to get hard. So I love that advice. <laughs> like say, Similarly for starting a business, it's like, you got to know your why. You got to come back to that or else you're just going to like, I don't know, you're just going to get like super burnt out. Another good idea when it comes to having your why, which is actually what one of my mentors told me recently, is she used the Pinterest to actually start her um, nonprofit. So what she did is she went on Pinterest and she found different pictures. She found inspiration and she used that Pinterest to help develop her mission, her vision and her values. Because what, you know, we thought it was going to be February 2017. It has evolved as far as like starting gardens and the culinary academy and everything like that, we just originally thought of ourselves just talking to different people, like just doing nutrition presentations. And that was great, but we just saw there was a greater need. So it's okay to change what you originally set out to do as long as it still aligns with your vision. So it's important to write your vision down, not just have it in your head, but write it down on paper. So that way, as you begin to evolve, you can always go back and say, am I still aligned with my vision? Or did I lose my vision along the way? So what you're doing can change, but just make sure that no matter how much you change, you're still focused on the vision that you originally set. Such good advice. Do you guys have any last words to wrap this up? Yeah, follow us on Instagram, Evolving Exchange, <laughs> with a promo. And we have things on our website that are for sale, like our mugs. Uh, we have a cool little backpack that you can purchase. Um, you know, all this um, appeal that you can get to support our programs, um, or just donate, you know, if you know any community that may need our help and definitely reach out and we're always happy to help, but also volunteers, if you want to volunteer, if you want to see some of the same things that we're doing in your community, but maybe you can be the volunteer to really, um, you know, put it out there and to, to be, I guess we call it kind of like a eat well, helper, ambassador, uh, something like that, then we definitely want to have you on the team and to see, you know, if we line up together and have the same purpose and vision, like Ashley said. So please, please let us hear from you. We would love to. What's the best place for people to reach out? Instagram is always number one and email. Right. If you have an event request, email is the best because that way we can actually follow up with you. But just for following us every day, seeing what we're up to. Instagram is a great source. This was a fabulous conversation. I learned so much. So thanks for being so open with your journey and all the details of how you guys got started. And just another takeaway, because I know that other people watching this may think if they want to start a nonprofit or not, I always say to go for it. <laughs> go for it. As long as you have a clear vision, you see it's something sustainable that you want to do, you know, go on alone if you think that's better find a partner if you can, and just just go for it. See where it goes. What I always recommend to do first is do the work. So whatever you want to do, do the work first. 
And then if you start to do the work and you feel that this work is impactful, you feel it's something you can continue, then keep going. Don't pay for the incorporation and do the sun biz and everything before you've done an event, because who knows, you may do an event and realize this is not what you want to do. So if you want to do a nonprofit, do the work first and then just go for it because there's never going to be a right time. <laughs> You're never going to be ready. So just start today. Just remember that somebody's waiting on you. So just do it. <laughs> I hope you guys got a lot of value out of that episode. And as always, there are show notes available on my website, theunconventionalrd.com slash episode 046. And just a quick reminder, since Black Friday is coming up this week, if you're listening in real time, uh, this is the last opportunity to join my courses. All of the enrollment for my courses, my SEO course, my Make Money Blogging course and my email marketing course, all of the enrollment pages are getting taken down after Cyber Monday. So I believe the last day to enroll is the last day of November, the 30th. Um, And then after that, enrollment will be closed. And when the courses are ready to be opened up again, um, beginning with the SEO course in 2021, the prices are going up by almost double. So it's like a $400 or so increase in the cost of the courses. So now is a great time to get in if you've been thinking about joining my courses. If you join now, you have access forever and to all future updates and upgrades to the course content. So if you buy now, you can get in at like basically half off from what it's gonna be in the future. Um, and, And yes, there's like 20 something CEUs per course. So it's a great investment if you're looking for some continuing education units for yourself as well. So you can find information about my courses at theunconventionalrd.com. Just click the courses tab and you'll see everything right there. And if you are thinking about maybe joining all of the courses, I also have a bundle available so you can purchase all three at the same time and save 15% off the regular prices as they are right now. So you can save even more compared to what they will cost in the future. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up. That's kind of what I'm doing for Black Friday this year. Again, theunconventionalrd.com. You don't need a coupon code or anything. This is just sort of like the last chance sale before I take down the sales pages and kind of rework my sales process for 2021. So I'm excited to see some of you guys in the course or courses in the private students only Facebook group and get to know you guys better in the new year. Thanks. See you next week.